Last night, the uh, Northfield School Board met uh, for their uh, second meeting of the month. I guess third if you want to count a work session, but the second uh, actual uh, regular agenda meeting. Uh, and Superintendent Matt Hillman is with us uh, today. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. I'm excited to be here, Jeff. I know I'm not nearly as exciting as the other Jeff Johnson <laughs> or the other other Jeff Johnson who's going to be your guest, I believe, on Thursday. Thursday but morning. I'll do, by, do my best here this morning to, to be informative and a, a little bit entertaining. I'm sure you'll be both of those. And you, <laughs> you brought uh, somebody with you today. Yes, I've got uh, Laura Stelter, who is uh, the director of Arcadia Charter School. Many people in the community know her. She's Got a regular same segment here on KYMN too, and uh, we've convinced her to think about uh, the superintendency. So she's doing over the next year. She'll be spending some time with me doing um, a very robust uh, superintendent internship through the University of Minnesota. So. Welcome to Laura. Welcome, you. Laura. <laughs> you don't need to talk today, but you can say hello if you'd like. Hello. <laughs> we, uh, there you have it. So, well, Laura, we'll, we'll put her aside for right now, and she can take some notes. In the meantime, you've got a lot of things uh, going on uh, at the school district. You had a, a meeting last night. Let's start off with uh, the paraprofessionals. Um, this is, is it their, their week the, the dedicated to them or to uh, at least saluting them? Yes, uh, Governor Walls and the state of Minnesota have declared uh, this week to be paraprofessional recognition week. And uh, here in Northfield, we call those positions, they're called a lot of different things in different districts, but in Northfield, our paraprofessional co- uh, positions are called educational assistants. And so lots of people in the community know someone who's an educational assistant in our district. And you know, our educational assistants are, Jeff, they're just vital members of our team. Um, they serve in a lot of different capacities. They supervise lunch. They supervise kindergartners as they come in. The bulk of the responsibility that most of our uh, educational assist- assistants have in the district is really serving with students with disabilities, whether that be being work with, working with a small group of students who need some academic support, uh, someone who can help review their notes uh, with them after uh, they have been in class, uh, you know, all the way to students who are um, uh, needing uh, additional support for health reasons and other disabilities. Our educational assistants are just really core to achieving our vision of preparing every student for lifelong success. Uh, we are just incredibly grateful for the work that they do every day for our kids. I know the parents of the students that paraprofessionals, our educational assistants in Northfield serve, are also very grateful. And um, so we're just, we want to honor them this week. We want them to feel valued every day, Jeff. Uh, but we want them to feel especially valued this week in the school district. And uh, if you want to make a difference in the school district, we do have several educational assistant positions available, and you can go to northfieldschools.org forward slash employment to find out about those and other exciting positions that you can use your skills to do good things for kids. So thanks to our educational assistants. Let's move into the uh, regular meeting, kind of the nuts and bolts of it. You had a financial forecast uh, presented last night. Uh, tell us about you know, the financial forecast, what it's for, its importance, and, and what did, uh, are we in good shape <laughs> in the yeah, future? Yeah, so I, I think the answer is yes and. Uh, so what we are, we do this financial forecast in January of every year. It's really the kickoff to our budget planning process. So uh, school district budgets in Minnesota run July 1st through June 30th. And so we are kicking off our budgeting process. The good news is the last two Januaries when we've spoken, Jeff, I've had to talk about uh, a budget reduction process that was forthcoming. We don't have to talk about that this year or next year. That's a really good piece for us to be in for for this past year or for this coming school year. So that's a good position to be in. We are showing a surplus at the end of this year um, and forecasting a, a bit of a surplus for the end of next school year. 
Um, we did a an interim financial forecast last summer because of the massive changes that happened at the legislature. Now, um, those are based on our best understanding of those items at the time. And of course, as we know more, we, we, when we have a, a budget forecast and a, an adopted budget, uh, then we get a revised budget, as we've talked about in uh, December. Now we have some known parameters, so we're able to look into the future with a few more details. Uh, so this is this financial forecast uh, shows again surplus this this school year and next school year. The further out you get beyond a legislative session, the tougher it gets to predict. The one thing that we do know that is really a, a struggle for us: this is the one year in our enrollment projection where we're flat. We're actually up a few more students than what we had projected, but our enrollment continues to be projected to decline over the next few years, and so. Even with the investment that the legislature did make the last time around, in addition to the uh, eight pages of uh, new things that we have to do in a seven-point font, I've shown you that spreadsheet mm-hmm. before, Jeff, uh, we're starting to really know some of those real costs uh, from those things. And declining enrollment, we only end up getting a, a portion of what was passed because when you have a system that is really predicated on funding the number of students that you have, when you have fewer students that erodes the investment uh, that the legislature made. So we still have to manage. We're in a good position. We have a strong fund balance. As you know, our fund balance uh, guideline, our our adopted uh, fund balance benchmark is 14%. That's a lot more than other districts of our size, so we're able to manage these things. So we are in good shape right now, but we have to continue making sure that we make uh, good decisions for the future because we have to manage the resources that have been uh, entrusted to us in a way that allows us to have them last as long as possible. You, you mentioned you have a surplus. How much is projected, and what do you what do you do with the money? Yeah, so we're projecting around seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars surplus for the end of this year, and what we do is we put that into our fund balance. So mm-hmm. we are not a bank, but we have to have enough money to be able to address the inevitable ups and downs and unanticipated costs that come forward. In addition, as we know. Uh, where we've been through a fairly substantial bout of inflation. Now, I think a lot of people understand inflation is easing, but costs don't ever seem to go down, Jeff. And so as we look at the future, having a strong fund balance and making sure that we have dollars to address future spending needs, because when your largest funder is the legislature, and even though we now have an inflationary factor built in uh, to the per-pupil funding formula, we still have to be able to manage that in a way by having reserves that allows us to fund some future expenditures that we will need to make, whether that be through additional um, salary and benefits for our staff, uh, through other unanticipated uh, increases in costs. So, for example, we still have some concern around inflation in non-salary areas, so things like property and casualty liability insurance. There's still you know, some parts of the markets that uh, are um, less predictable at this point. Superintendent Hillman is with us. Let's move into the uh, proposed referendum. Uh, you had talked uh, or, uh, with Rich last week about after a work session where you heard some uh, from some of the consultants on uh, the costs estimates uh, that would be involved in, in either renovating the current facility or building a whole new one. Uh, what did the board speak to last night? First of all, remind us what those you know, parameters are that they uh, gave and, and what did they speak to? Yeah, so what we typically do at a regular meeting after a work session, you know, a work session is really focused on one topic, uh, and it's a much different form than a regular meeting, Jeff. It's much more free-flowing discussion. It is, it is formal. 
So at the following regular board meeting, we do a recap of that work session. We provide the relevant documents that the board might have learned about at the work session so that we are transparent with the public for them to see what the board uh, is discussing. And so we really recapped uh, that last night. Uh, we talked a little bit about the tour that we had this past Saturday. We, it was a third of our fourth scheduled tours of the high school. The biggest one that we've had yet, we estimate around 40 people came. It was really great. Some good questions. You know, people who hadn't been, I had one family who said, you know, we've been here for a lot of basketball games. We've been here for some um, concerts in the auditorium or some other events in the auditorium, but we haven't been back, you know, in the classrooms since we graduated 30 years ago. And so that is a common thing that we hear. People get to the auditorium, you know, they get to the gymnasium, but they never get beyond there. So the tour was great. Uh, that was wonderful. We did follow up and talk about the entire timeline that we've had. We also talked about the potential six pathways forward. I encourage people to listen to the full interview that I did with Rich um, last week specific to this. But really, there are six pathways that the board has been presented with to solve the problems that they identified. The, ball, the board has come to consensus around what the problems are to solve. Um, and those things are really important for people to think through. Um, it is around things like the infrastructure that is just aging because of this, uh, the age of the building. It is around updating classrooms and laboratories, trying to integrate more natural light that we as know is so important for student achievement, better air exchange, better accessibility, safety, security, um, giving the community access to these buildings. It becomes more and more difficult as people want more and more access, and there's only so much space, right? So those are the kinds of things that they are trying to solve. And the options range from doing nothing, which we don't think is a really responsible uh, approach. And then there are options that range from uh, renovation or maintenance of the existing footprint, um, maintenance and of the existing and renovation of the, you know, modest renovation of the existing footprint, but adding some things for athletics, a, a four court field house to relieve some of the pressure that we have on our gymnasium spaces. That's really, there's, that's one option with three different, slightly different pathways that range um, from 59 and a half million to 87.2 million. An option that would look at reimagining the existing facility that would construct a new multi-story classroom addition uh, that would include a potential, you know, potentially include a cafeteria and common space, but a lot of classrooms with lots of natural light and modern amenities. It would demolish some of the oldest and most inefficient parts of the building, like the H, the D, the M, and the S wing. Uh, you would add a, a field house for uh, athletic and activities. Uh, you know, a few more items. You can listen to more on the the interview I did with Rich, but that's estimated at about 117.6 million. Uh, there are two pathways for brand new buildings, right? One pathway for a brand new building would be on the existing campus, and there's a range in that one from around 163 to 173 million. That depends on how much of the existing building do you keep for the purposes of community access. So you probably wouldn't keep the whole building. Um, but if you kept some of the building, there's some work that would have to do to keep that part of the building going as well. And then finally, if you looked at a new school on a new campus, we have no land purchase. We don't have any concept of where that would go. But if you based it upon uh, construction estimates, and again, it's important to talk, these estimates are a few years out, right? Because they're estimating, okay, if, if the voters approve these items in November, it takes about a year or more to design a building. Then you go out for bid. And then by the time you start getting the bids and the cost, you're already at around 2027, but a new building on a new campus, uh, 172.8 to 176.4 million. Uh, a couple of other options, we're investigating geothermal uh, to reduce utility costs. That would 
range from five to seven million dollars if we added that to any one of the previous options. We've also taken another look at um, in the renovation options, just the renovate and place options, maintenance uh, option. If rather than just replacing the windows, we also expanded the windows so that there could be more natural light within the existing spaces, that's estimated around a $2.5 million addition to any one of those uh, renovation options. So lots of things happening. January 29th, public meeting. We're asking people for their feedback and their ideas about how to move forward with this. So we want folks to attend that. And then our final schedule tours for February 3rd, 10 a.m., January 29th, 6 p.m., High School Auditorium. Question about that is the when you're are you moving in the direct? Do you have an idea yet of what the uh, uh, what what we're going to see on in November on the ballot? Will it be one option, two options, three options? Great question. So I think that there's a difference between options and ballot questions, right? So the first step would be for the board to identify what pathway they want to go down, right? So is it the maintain, renovate existing space? Is it reimagine the existing space, add on, demolish, renovate? Is it brand new? If in those different pathways, once they select that pathway, that's when you would start to talk about how would you structure the ballot questions. So you could have multiple ballot questions um, in a variety of, of ways on all of these options. So that would be the next step. Probably in March, board would start to decide that. We're really in, we're, we are in the phase of where we really want the community to be involved We'd like as much community involvement ahead of the decision of what to put on the ballot, if anything, because we know this is the time to be able to shape the proposal. And we not only want a proposal that, number one, is good for kids, right? That's good for the taxpayer. Um, but we want something that we do think that people can support. We're being very pragmatic in the way. We're being very methodical and deliberate because we want to involve the community as part of the board's decision. We have a couple more minutes. I want to talk about, you mentioned English uh, learners. Uh, what, what, was, what went on last night uh, concerning that? Yes, the board last night approved uh, a cost of $19,000 added to the budget to address additional uh, needs for our English learners. So through the school year, you'll, you'll see, you remember a couple of years ago, we reduced our English learner department because we were seeing fewer students who qualified for English learner, what's now called multilingual services. Um, And the key part of that is that we are just seeing some more students come. We have a variety of different needs. So an advance that we have over the past few years is that we are actually able to test students when they come to our school from outside the United States, um, specifically in Spanish. So many of our immigrants who are coming here are, are Spanish speakers. We're actually able to give them uh, assessments in their native language so we know what is their academic skill level. Jeff, it's really amazing when you see you know students who have had a really great school experience in their home country and how much they know but where they're not understanding or their lack of English proficiency prevents them from showing that. It really changes the way that we provide services to those students in, a, in an amazing way. And on the other side... We've also had some students who have come here who have experienced some incredible trauma, who have witnessed horrific violence that would make most people listening to this show right now curl up in the fetal position and getting them to write their name um, or just trust the people around them is a big step. Obviously, the latter costs more, right, than the Mm -hmm. former. And so um, we have just seen a mix of those kinds of uh, uh, new students coming to our country. We serve the students who are in front of us. We're so proud of the work that our English learner 
teachers do. And this additional uh, cost is going to allow us, or this additional funding is going to allow us to strategically help those students um, wherever they are at and uh, help with their acclimation to the United States. Uh, You also mentioned uh, the Youth Council. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about what the uh, youth are doing. Yeah, so uh, the District Youth Council at our work session last week they presented uh, some survey results that they had from uh, high school students about the high school facility. And so District Youth Council, similar to the Mayor's Youth Council, it's an award-winning program. The University of Minnesota recognized it as an innovative uh, government practice a few years ago. So this is a group of a little more than 20 students who um, work to make our district a better place. They learn about uh, government. They learn about uh, parliamentary procedure and things like that. And they conducted a survey of high school students. They had a little more than half the students respond, 751 responses. They did some very simple questions. Um, and not shockingly, more than half of our high school students who responded to the survey were dissatisfied with the existing facility. Um, there are some who are undecided and even about 20% who are satisfied with the existing facility. I think the important thing that these students learned from this process, they were very intent on making sure that it was a neutral approach to really gather the data. The thing that our student leaders presented to the board that was really affirming to both them and to the process that we're using is that the um, free responses, so the comments that students wrote in the survey, really align with the things that we hear people talking about with the building, inconsistent heating, cramped hallways, um, lack of natural light, athletic facilities that are not up to standard. So that's good when you're triangulating data and you hear things from people anecdotally and then you see it as part of a survey. So think of the skills that these student leaders are learning and then having the opportunity to present it to the school board in a, in a public way uh, is a good learning for them. So we are working to build the leaders of our future, the people who will be our city councilors, our school board members, our state and federal representatives. They're getting that chance right now to do real work uh, that helps them understand governance. Good stuff. Good stuff. Matt, thank you so much for coming in. It's much my appreciated. Pleasure, Thanks and we'll for see all you again support. in uh, a week or two. You got it. Laura, thank you for coming in as well. And good luck with your uh, job shadowing. <laughs>